0: Hey, Amanda Hills, Happy New Year. What a wonderful day we had at church this morning. The only thing that went wrong was a little bit of technology. So I'm out here to welcome you back to this morning's services. Super special day. We gathered for breakfast together as a community, and I interviewed my longtime long-term mentor, Gary Borchening. I can't wait for you to share in the wisdom of this moment and this man. Happy New Year. And enjoy ever and, and it's not like on purpose right like it's just you know you oh yeah we'll keep in touch and then you never hear from them. Um, Gary is the only human being I've ever kept in touch with uh, and we try to talk every other week um, for the last 12 years so that's a lot of time and it's mostly because I think we um, admire and respect one another for me it's because In many respects, Gary is like a spiritual father or spiritual mentor to me. And so uh, he's going to come up and Gary and I are going to talk. Before he comes up, I wanna give you a little bit of background on Gary. I was quizzing him about this so I could prep prep the room for him. He grew up in Missouri, so he's kind of a Midwestern guy at his heart. Um, Went to high school in Southern California, but for his senior year, he um, moved to Nebraska for his senior year of high school. He just went to his 61st high school reunion. Gary is a young man, as you can imagine. He was a four-sport varsity athlete in high school, which I don't think you can do that anymore. Two of those teams won state championships. As he likes to tell it, when it came to college, he was a little less focused than his high school years. He managed to squeeze four years of undergraduate study into eight college years. um, (laughs) Before graduating from Cal State Fullerton. Um, Some of you, even though uh, you may not know Gary, you might not know this, um, Gary, Gary, as long as I've known him, has been married to his wonderful wife, Jan. Gary was married as a very young man, and, and Gary has, has had, like every human life, his ups and downs. His first wife, he lost complications to complications uh, to, of uh, multiple sclerosis at the age of 23. Went on to seminary, felt called by God to, uh, to get into the pastorate, worked for a couple of years, and then planted a church in Southern California, in Chino Hills. Gary started this church with four families in his living room, grew it to a couple of hundred people, and then felt called out of the ministry, which is another story, but it's a positive story. He, um, he actually, today, Gary lives back in Southern California. He attends the church that he started in his living room that now has 1,000 people in it and has a mission work going on all over the world. So it's just an amazing story of God's faithfulness there. Moved into a career in finance, which is what brought him here about 20, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, at one point, Gary was managing about $150 million of, of private investments for people's retirement. He was in leadership from the moment he got to this church. If you were here the day I w- had the privilege of dedicating my granddaughter, I showed you a video of Courtney, my daughter's dedication. Gary was the speaker at that service. Um, he was in the background. That's, that's you know, how long I've been involved with him. Um, he left here about 12 years, 12 years ago, moved to uh, North Carolina, and now lives with his daughter Heather and her husband and, and two boys out in Southern California. Would you wildly, raucously welcome back Gary borcharding to Mendham Hills Community <laughs> Church. And so today, this is a, just a conversation. I want you to experience what I get to experience every other week, for the most part, where we just talk and, and pick each other's brains a little bit. And I thought, boy, um, what a wonderful way to start a new year. Just kind of gaining some wisdom from Gary, who is 79 years young, heading yes, towards, heading towards uh, the big 80. Yes, sir. Uh, so he's, you know, about ready for his midlife crisis, right? <laughs>
1: Double. <laughs> That's
0: right. We, we discussed this uh, op- uh, opportunity uh, a while ago, and Gary framed it, I thought, really well. If you know the scriptures at all, um, Paul, when he goes on his missionary journeys, Paul wrote most of the New Testament. Most of those books in the New Testament are actually letters that he wrote to churches he planted um, all around, around the, the, the ancient world. Paul, at one point, on, after one of his missionary journeys, he, he and his partner Barnabas go back to where they started. In fact, here's how Luke recorded the event in Acts. He said that they, Paul and Barnabas, returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And we kind of see that as what Gary is doing today, right? Returning to the church in a sense that birthed them, sent them out of here 12 years ago, to share with us what's been, been going on over those last 12 years in his lives and why those lessons are applicable to us today. So, with all of that as background, Gary, let, let's get started, right? Give, if you, were, if you were Paul coming back to Antioch, and this is your own little Antioch, tell us um, what has been going on over the last 12 years. What are the great lessons that you would, you, like Paul would come back and say, Church, you need to hear a couple uh-huh. of
1: things. Well, first of all, let me just say what... A Joy it is to be back here, and I know there are going to be times during this time when I'm going to get emotional. It just happens um, and I've, you know you hear people say when they're being introduced or something it's it's really humbling you know that for, and, and I've always thought that's a little phony, you know I would never say that. guess what <laughs> you all bringing me back here today, John, your invitation it it, it really is humbling i mean uh, It's just great, great to be here. When uh, Jan and I were talking about retirement and we were getting serious about that, uh, one of the things that she said, she always had, and still does to this day, have words of wisdom. And uh, so she said, you know, retirement can't be about uh, where we're going from. It has to be about what we're going to. So that was our heart, that was our mindset. What, what would God uh, call us to? And then the next year when we actually, uh, and, and our conviction was that because our son, son-in-law, and now grandson, another grandson, are military, uh, we saw so many deployments, uh, you know, with our son and son-in-law, son-in-law 11 deployments to the Middle East. And we just said, you know what, God, take us somewhere where we can serve military families. So that, that was our heart. So that's what made us decide to go down by Fort Bragg. Time for us to leave, and, and, uh, and I said to Jan, you know, honey, I think we have a unique opportunity here uh, to instead of figure out what kind of ministry God would have us to have once we get down there, how about if we ask him what you're doing? God, what are you up to? What, what do you want to do with us? And we agreed. That was so that, you know, then the blessing, there'd be no question about it. Right. Because it would be his calling, his doing. So we get down there and promptly found nothing to do for a year. That drove me crazy.
0: Yeah, I can imagine you.
1: Man, man, I was pacing the house sometimes. Honey, why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? And, uh, and then God did this incredible thing that opened the door. And he's been to every story I would tell you today in terms of the doors that he has opened. It's God's doing, not one of them. Gary's saying, let's do this. So our son was deployed to Germany, and we had the dog, and I was taking the dog out for a walk one morning. Um, And we're on the south side of the lake community that we lived in, and there are homes on the left, and and pine trees, and uh, scrub on the right, and and the dog and I were walking along. And all of a sudden, this beat-up old pickup truck comes along on, on the road and, and slows down and pulls off into the ditch over here. And this 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 guy, it looked like he was slumped down in the seat. He was actually very short um, and, and had a daughter, you know, sitting with him. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this is a dog napping. <laughs> and, and, and what I've always told son and son-in-law, now grandson, man, give me a hat, give me a shirt, whatever unit you're part of, and I proudly wear that. So I was wearing... Son-in-law's ranger hat that morning, and this guy gets out of the truck. Now oh, there, here we go, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> about to lose my ranger son's dog. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "So rangers, huh?" And uh, I said, "Oh no, not, not me. I've got a, a son-in-law, um, you know, who uh, is as a ranger chaplain." And he said, "Oh, is it so and so?" And I said, "No, no. Uh, his name's Dave Bolus. Dave Bolus." He was my boss, he was my boss for two years. So David Curlin, that was David Curlin, he and his family were moving into that community that day. He took me to meet his wife who had been best friends with our daughter, Meredith, and um, I, John, I'll tell you, that was a 30-second window that God had there. I'm, you know, I was walking much faster then, and so. <laughs> You know, the dog and I were making pretty good time, and that, that truck pulled over there. If it would have been earlier or later, no meeting. Uh, and then God parlayed that into meeting with David, you know, for a few months, and then he introduced me to quite a few of the Army chaplains at Fort Bragg, and that got us into ministry together. It got us into ministry with the, uh, John Eldridge's Wild at Heart ministry. Um, I, I, would not, I, I wouldn't have known who to talk to to meet those chaplains. God did that. Um, There was another ministry then. Well, there are two ministries that God provided to us while we were there. A neighbor of ours, who was also my dentist, uh, one one day after we were there about three and a half years, said, hey, we lost our pastor. Gary, would you be interested in being a pastor? Because I had been a pastor back in the day in California. He knew that. And uh, (laughs) come on, Dave, you know I'm retired. I'm not interested. But within the next month, you know, God was stirring in my heart, and he said, I want you to be taking the messages that I have given to you and what I've done in your heart and in your life, I want you to take that to a, to a, a bigger audience. Okay, so I went back to Dave and said, Hey, Dave, if you need a pulpit fill, a pulpit fill, I'll, I'll be glad to do that for you. They wound up bringing me on as interim for six months. God spoke to Jans in my heart, spoke to them. They wound up asking me to be their pastor and did that for six years.
0: Uh, these are crazy stories so he he literally goes and he's like we're just not one of the things we talked about and gary and i talk about this a lot that we have this sense in our lives that we have to go make things happen right and so if we make it happen and then then when ask
1: god to bless it
0: exactly if it's not happening then we ask god to bless it right it's almost like an afterthought like if i can't make it happen then i'll lean towards god maybe he'll make it happen yeah And when Gary pulled out of here 12 years ago, he goes, we're going to go the opposite direction. We're going to try to make nothing happen and just see what God does, (laughs) see what he's blessing, and then we'll just follow it. Little crazy story. That guy that he ran into on the side of the road, his brother was serving with me on Potter's House board in Guatemala City at the exact same time. So he starts coming back and telling me about this guy. I'm going, does he have a brother that's a a professor, a duke or whatever? And it was a crazy story. Yeah, it is. So you start this... Rather large ministry on this, this, this um, base. Well, how many guys wind up going through all of the, el- the Eldridge material?
1: Uh, about 50 army chaplains, not only from Fort Bragg, but David knew so many people and so through him, we probably had 50 people and, and there were guys who were ready to quit the chaplaincy that went and God just worked uh, in the they call it a boot camp in that weekend and, and got a hold of their hearts and a couple of them just retired this year that were going to quit you know, back in 2010. So, that happened. Um,
0: you pastor a church for six years. Pastoring
1: a church, and after it started which pastoring, you are looking church, for. which I was not. <laughs> no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I wasn't. But, it, you know, it was halftime. It was great. It was wonderful. Um, and it was a little country church. And then, 2016, grandson, Andrew, uh, he's flying from Fort Campbell in Kentucky to Washington, D.C. for a speech contest. And he's sitting next to this dude um, who happened to be co-founder of a ministry called Reboot, Trauma Recovery. And he finds out about it. Uh, and, uh, and Andrew says to, uh, to John Dale, he says, you know what? You need to talk to my papa down at Fort Bragg. Huh. The next week, John Dale and his wife were moving to Raleigh one hour from where we lived. At the end of that week, he was meeting me at the church. One week after, he talked to Andrew, and then God opened up this, you know, today there are at least 12 classes, or 10 classes of uh, trauma recovery and combat recovery and first responders ministry there. Because of your involvement. Again, because of, because of, well, there's a reboot
0: at this church now because of you, because you called me and said, hey, you got to, you got to look at this ministry. You got to, you got to, you got to get involved in it.
1: Well, most of your ideas are stupid, but this one.
0: (laughs) That's my buddy. This one was good.
1: Yeah. So when we moved, uh, so Jan's health was such that uh, uh, our children wonderfully and our daughter in Southern California said, you know what, Dad, just in case you go first, I think we want to have Mom with us. What? She's what? In, That's a
0: warm fuzzy, huh?
1: She's in bed. She's in bed most of the time. Yeah, that was, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and so Heather and, and Harvey and the family said, come on out here. We'll create a parent suite for you. So as we did that, then God is saying to my heart, all right, when you get to Southern California, you know, there's 30 million people out there in that basin. And there was no footprint of, of trauma recovery there at all. So I just said, okay, Lord, um, I'm, I'm open. I'd, I'd love to go and help find leaders and, and equip leaders to do this ministry. We, st- we had one class this last spring. We will have five uh, this spring and probably 10 in the fall. And it's just beautiful. It's beautiful to see, you know, as God plants uh, one seed and how that tree, like he did with that little church, you know, that he planted and how, how he grows that. So I hope that 10 years from now, you know, um, I'll so come back. So you get back. out
0: there. So this is the difference between you and me. I would be going Southern California. I'd be thinking about bathing suits, yeah. right? Like how far from the beach am I going to be?
1: I, I try You're not to You're going,
0: there's 30 million people out here. How can I impact them for Christ?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and I've got to tell you one story about that. Of the, of the classes that are starting now in February, uh, I've got a good former friend, Randy. And Randy's a connector. He knows people, and so he would introduce me to people. So he had me come out to the farm one time. We sit down with a, a guy on the staff at his church in Pomona. A 35-year-old man, uh, Eric uh, Vasquez. Eric happens to have a ministry in the city of Pomona. Any of you that don't know anything about Southern California, Pomona is probably the most crime-ridden, most drugs, um, trafficking, everything in Pomona. Eric has a ministry to those people on the street and has led many people to Christ. So he's sitting there and we're talking about trauma recovery, and he looks at the, the the curriculum outline 30 seconds and he leans over and he says, Gary, I want you to come and bring this to our people. I would never, never have gone looking for that. So you're hanging
0: out with the gang members in Southern California. I Where have gone.
1: Team? I have gone to his meetings and they're they're not the beach. I, I hate the beach. <laughs> But you're hanging with gang members teaching them about well i'm not he does the teaching i just i just go I'm, I'm a support i'm supporting eric see that's what i went that was kind of the vision to go to support what god's going to do there yeah
0: so i drill with these
1: questions all the time because i want to be more like gary i told you all i
0: paul makes this comment one time follow me as i follow christ and for me it's been like watching gary and following gary as he <laughs> follows christ and so we were talking about this this week i said I don't get it. Like, why don't you just go sit on the beach? And he goes, well, I don't like the beach. Um, he said, I like the mountains. Yeah. So then the question is, why don't you just go, you know, get a little cabin, right, and take your little, your little girly dog that you have, and go, go.
1: Him, him.
0: <laughs> go to the mountains. Why don't you just, why don't you retire? You're 80, yeah. for God's
1: sake. We're waiting for Heather and Harvey to get that cabin. Is that it? Uh, <laughs> um, retirement is heaven, the new earth. That's retirement. Retirement's not here. So I, my, my heart has been now, since my early 60s, the best is yet to come here. So I expect the best this year. I pray the best for each one of you this next year. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what your circumstances are. This is what I walked down the stairs to this morning, by the way. Happy New Year. This is going to be the best year of your
0: entire... This is going to be so great. Right? That's exactly, yeah. exactly right. Yeah. You told me it's addictive what you're involved in.
1: Well... The addictive part is to be involved, the, the, the privilege that people give you of being involved in their lives and of sharing their lives at a deep level, the wounds, the hurts, and then watching Jesus come into that life and, and begin to restore and to renew, to bring healing at the deepest inner levels. Ho, ho, ho. There, is, there is nothing I would rather be a part of than that, that is addictive.
0: Which, as I told Gary when we were talking about this, I've shared this with you, I I think about it most New Years, I've I've probably preached on it several times over the years, Tony Campolo spoke of, uh, years ago, of a study done of 95 year olds, 50, 95 year olds, and said to the 95 year olds, if you could do life over again, what are three things, the top three things that you would do over again? And so the first one reminded me of what Gary said, said in his experiencing, which is, the first thing they said is they would invest in things that would outlive them. Is that does that resonate with you when you hear that?
1: <sighs> absolutely, uh, absolutely. Um, one of uh, a man who really is a mentor to me, John Eldridge, uh, he has recently said in something that he wrote, "The world is at war; the human heart is the prize." Uh, you know, we've just gone through the Christmas season, and we have especially in our country over the years. We have so sanitized Christmas, baby Jesus. Everything's gotta be pretty, beautiful. Uh, you, you read Revelations chapter 12 and see what was really happening. Um, let's see, I've got to, I can grab this real quick here. Revelations chapter 12 and verses four and five. The dragon stood in front of the woman. The dragon, we're referring to Satan, to, uh, to the devil here. Stood in front of the woman, um, Mary doesn't say that here, but that's who it was uh, who was about to give birth so that he might devour that child the moment it was born she gave birth to a son a male child who will rule all the nations Jesus, so right from the get go, Satan was out to he wanted to take Jesus out in his birth it, and, and so he convinced, and you know the story he convinced King Herod to uh, before Jesus would have turned two years old to commit mass murder in the village of Bethlehem. He sent his soldiers down there. They killed all the male boys. Satan was serious. He wanted, he wanted Jesus. God had, you know, with his mom and dad taken him out of there. Well, fast forward to 2023. That same enemy. We have, there's a spiritual war going on in our lives. Uh, if you know jesus you you 've got a, a target on your back. he is you know james and and Peter talk about him uh, prowling about that he might not derail you a little but devour you, take you out spiritually, make you neutral. That is what he wants to do so um, that uh, that war is going on and uh, for for the human heart um, and, and so to be able to <sighs> express that to people and how much God loves them, and then to, to those who are believers, how much Jesus wants to enable us, you know, to be able to do the things that is our heart to do. We desire to be obedient. Why is the heart, so when,
0: when we talk on the phone, you're always asking me, how's your heart? How's your heart? Yeah. Why is the heart so important?
1: Well, uh, you look at uh, Proverbs 4.23, you know, take care of your heart because it's the wellspring of life, that inner core of us. And, and of course, the scriptures talk about things coming out of our heart, all of the evil things that come out of our heart. So the heart, the heart is crucial. Um, uh, Colossians, do we have Colossians one twenty-nine? I think we have Colossians back there. Do you have that verse,
0: Kara? Colossians 1.28 to 29. There, it's up on the screen behind us, Kara.
1: Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, (laughs) the second part of that where Paul is talking about the ministry that God has called him into and and he says I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in in me another translation says "In, in your energy Jesus which so powerfully works within me so yes there's spiritual warfare yes we have an enemy who wants to take it out Do you want to walk with Jesus? Are you serious about that? Do you want to love your husband, love your wife? Uh, You know, with the love that Jesus has, with an agape love, which, by the way, I can't and none of us can sustain that kind of love, but because Jesus lives in us. Oh, take a look at uh, John 14, 23. I discovered this verse a few years ago, and I thought, I've read this many times. How did I not see this? Um where Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey me, and my Father will love you, and we will come, get this, we will come and make our home in you. Hmm. Is that intimate or what? Can we have an intimate relationship? It's not out there somewhere. Jesus comes, the Father comes through the Holy Spirit, makes their home in our heart. So, of course, if I want to love Jan, with Jesus' love, with that agape love. I lean into Jesus. Jesus, this is what I want to do. I purpose to do it. I, you have to enable me to do this.
0: So, this is interesting. It makes a nice transition. One of the things that you've shown me more than, you've shown me a lot. But one of the things you've taught me is how to love my wife. Um, if, if I ever do, ever help any of you all in your marriages, a lot of what I try to teach you, I've learned from Gary Um, About how he loves his wife, and then I tried to love my wife in a similar fashion The second thing that these 95 year olds said was that if they had to do life over number one They'd invest in things that would outlive them. The second thing they would do is they would they would reflect more They would be more present in the moment and when I shared that with you the other day um, You said it reminded you of something your wife said to you about the condition of your marriage and Jan's not Mm -hmm. one to mince words
1: hmm yeah no um at the 17-year mark 35 years ago of our marriage um i thought things were fine uh, except one sunday morning i said some things to jan that were really hurtful i thought they needed to be said they didn't <laughs> they didn't they were really really hurtful and she didn't go to church with me that sunday morning i came home and and um and she said you know what it has come clear to me you've been preaching about love and all saying all the right things but it just hasn't clicked it hasn't there's been something missing and what i what i have come to understand this morning is that you're not there emotionally we are not bonded emotionally I really didn't get what she was talking about because I wasn't. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I wasn't. Well, because most
0: of us, especially guys, we don't even know
1: what that means. I didn't know what that. Right. Meant. I
0: don't even know what that. I, I what? I just thought, like, shaking his head. Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah. Like I don't know how to bond with anybody emotionally.
1: Well, and I, and I didn't. Life had been kind of, you know, better roses and everything gone well. Athletics and grades and all that. And she should be done.
0: happy with you just the way you are.
1: Yeah. It's absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> But I wasn't there for her, I wasn't there for her. She'd lost her parents and her grandmother. She kind of thought of them and me as the four stools of a leg, and now all of a sudden she realized the fourth, fourth leg wasn't there. And she said to me that morning, I suspect that you're going to be gone within a month because I'm not going to be here for you the kind of the way that I was. Um, I was committed, committed to the marriage, and, and I'm still growing today, John in terms of understanding that and working on that, being there emotionally for yeah. Jan. Um, but yeah, that was... <laughs> so what did you do? What, what did I do? Yeah, at, what did you do? Oh, we got counseling that was helpful. Um, but I, I just really started to try to listen more. Uh, to, to listen to her, uh, to be, to spend time with her, um, with our children. Uh, I, I turned down you know, some promotions and things like that to make sure I wasn't, for that time I just didn't want to work more than 40 hours a week I wanted to go to their games and I wanted to be, be there uh, for Jan
0: Yeah, that, so that concept of be, reflect more be more present in the moment right. um, you and I talked about when we, you know, one of the things that Joan and I did when we got married too, we said look we're never getting divorced, it's not going to be an option, we're never going to talk about it, we're right. never going to bring it up right. but, and that's great but that doesn't, that just means you might have a really crappy marriage for a long time, right? I mean, that's what it could mean. It could mean that. Right? And so w- the key is not, that can't be the goal. The goal can't be to not Stay, get divorced. Right, right, right. The goal is to love one another.
1: To love more. And we love each other today more than we ever have. She, from her chance in bed about 95% of the time, but boy, is she with me. And I think she would say, I'm with her now.
0: Mm. In fact, Gary told us the other night, this is the longest he's ever been apart from his wife in their life, is this trip
1: today. So it was uh, an interesting story. Two months ago, I would have said Jan was in bed 95% of the time. And then our daughter and son-in-law said, you know, we're just not going to be up to decorating the house for Christmas this year. Mom, Dad, would you be willing to do that? Jan pushed. She got out of bed, and, and we spent about 45 minutes at Hobby, Lob- Hobby Lobby one day. I got them feet. She wore me out. It was a joy. It was so exciting to watch her go up and down the aisles, and, and that creative juice start to flow in the ideas, and we went back three, four and more
0: see, times. What, what, see, when I watch him, right, I'm watching him enjoy his, wife, his wife's pleasure. Yeah. Right. Like he's sitting there and he's
1: emoting over his wife experiencing joy. And so much that one of my Christmas presents to her was to to give her a little cash to be able to spend. But I promise that this year I'm going to take her to Hobby Lobby once a week. (laughs) We're going to. We're (laughs) going to. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Okay. so practical tip on that. You told me if I was going to tell people about marriage time and listen. Spend time Uh, with your spouse uh, and really uh,
1: listen to it. Really listen. And not try to have, oh, oh, the early years, like Gary always had the answers. I was going to seminary after all, so I had the answers. Uh, You're her pastor. Yeah, see? So. That doesn't work for me either, by the way.
0: Good. Good, Joan. (laughs) Um, Parenting. John asked, my son John, we were drilling with... we don't just do this in front of you. We were doing it at our dining room table the other day. So John said to Gary, hey, tell me a mistake you made um, now that you look back on and kind of say, huh, you know, I wish,
1: wish, wish I had done that a little bit differently. Yeah. And yours was on parenting. Yeah. Can I preface that answer sure. a little bit just to say uh, one of the things that God showed us very early on with the kids was uh, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child in the way they should go and when he is old, he or she is old, they will not depart for it. You know what we've done in the church with that verse? We have made that, you know, if you take your kids to Sunday school and have family devotions and all that kind of thing, and they make some profession of faith, and then they go live like, you know, what, for 30 years? You had a prodigal child, a serious prodigal child. Oh, a serious prodigal child. That is not what that verse means. Train up a child in the way, in the Hebrew language, not he should go, is the way he or she is bent. How did God, who is this child that God created? What is, what is the personality? What are the passions of this child? So yeah, we had them take piano lessons, and a couple of them were pretty good at it, and one of them stunk. So, <laughs> so we didn't push that. Well, let's try something else and try different sports to find out who they are. Become students of, of your children. And, and God has God blessed that as we have done that with our and kids. Your and your
0: prodigal that. is now home.
1: Our prodigal has taken us into her into her home. That's right. Yeah, I mean, she, when we moved here in 1992, she said, Mom and Dad, can I go back to Southern California? I want to go to community college. I want to become a flight attendant. She didn't want to become a flight attendant. She had a friend back there who was going to get an apartment and just into drugs so bad. Um, one you almost night, lost your daughter. Yeah, one night she had more than five drugs in her body and should have died. Um, Six months later, long story short, she came back here. Jan drove her across country detoxing. And, uh, and she made a genuine deep commitment to the Lord two months later. And she's a joy. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, it's a great yeah. story. The thing you wish you had done differently?
1: Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> again, I'm not sure how this idea... Uh, germinated and came out, but, you know, a lot of times kids hear, no, 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 <clears throat> you can't do that, no, nope. you want to do it, no, 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 we give a lot of no's, so I just said to Jan, honey, every time we can, let's say yes, let's say yes to everything we can. It's not a bad idea, but I think in the teen years, I said yes to things I, I, I shouldn't have, and I know I did, because the kids have fed back that, that that allowed them into situations that They've regretted the kinds of things that happened, and, and I do too. So I, not that I would have been more strict, but I would have been more on it, watching, uh, you know, maybe more aware, and and not said yes to everything.
0: In my kids' teen years, I used to always say to them, "My job is to set you up to to be successful."
1: Absolutely, to and, launch them.
0: Right, and so you're not going there tonight because that is not going to create an environment for you to be successful. Yeah. And they yeah. hated that statement when they passion, did? right? Huh. Um, John used to really hate it. And now he said to me, that's one of the better things that you all ever did and say yeah. was, no, no, that's going to create an opportunity for you to, to, to fail. And my job is not to put you into environments where, where you're going to make bad life choices.
1: We should have had this discussion all those years ago so that I could have. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. I, I could have at least given you something.
1: That would have been great. Last thing the 95-year-old say,
0: said was, um, if we had to do it over again, we would risk more. Tell me about a life of risk and play, versus playing it safe all the time.
1: You know, honestly, I think, John, we have, we have been willing, really, again, this, and I would just say, to anything you would say about my life or what you see or hear, by the grace of God, by the grace of God, we are, I am who I am, Period. So risk is something that we've always embraced. When when we came here from Southern California, the job that I was offered um, was a job It it had a $2,000 a month salary for three months, and the house that we got in Randolph had a $1,700 a month rent tag on it. That's not a lot of margin. (laughs) In fact, whatever savings we had, and they weren't great, we used them. In fact, we used them right up to the point where there just wasn't any more savings, and it was right at that point when the lines intersected and the income from this new job enabled us to continue. So, our son was at West Point at the time, and we were thrilled to be here for the last year and a half, you know, of, of his time, and and it was just great. And and I was here three weeks after, you know, I got to, to New Jersey because the client told me, yeah, there are some churches in. In Mendham, there's this one out on the edge of town. It's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, and I, and I, he told me a little bit about it. I thought, that sounds like my kind of church. So, you know, wound up here. Um, I like to
0: brag about Gary's, all of Gary's kids. Gary's son that he just mentions ca- casually is the highest-ranking military officer um, in the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He reports directly to
1: General Milley. Yeah, I'm a lawyer. He's the highest-ranking JAG. mm mm-hmm. So it's a pretty impressive, uh, yeah. pretty
0: impressive lot. That he's and, our, and our
1: son-in-law is a command chaplain for special forces at Fort Bragg. Yeah. And next, next week will be his general board. So we'll just see what God has for them. But this is God.
0: Yeah. This is God. No, th- and, and, and that concept, parents of, the church sometimes tells you um, A plus B equals C. You do A, you do B, your kid will be C. It's not true. And the scriptures never promise that. But it lays a lot of guilt on parents. Yeah. Um, right? And so yeah. we need to kind of free people up from that. Yeah. What does, at 79, almost 80 years old, what does it mean to have led a successful
1: life? Well, uh, the parent suite that Harvey and Heather have created for us is 250 square feet. So our space is 250 square feet. Our largest home we've had is here, about 6,000 square feet, and everything in between over the years. I feel like, at this stage of our lives, I'm the most successful that I've ever been. The the square footage doesn't matter. Um, It's enough. It's enough. Big bank accounts, retirement funds, and all of that, that, that's important, I'm not... What makes you feel successful? (laughs) The relationship with Jan, loving her more, being more connected than we've ever been. Uh, All three children, all of their spouses, all eight grandchildren. know Jesus, love Jesus. And I know that's not always the case uh, for, for families, but, and that's not our doing, that's God bringing them in. But they saw something, they heard something. Mm. So I'm very, very thankful for that. And, and then the, the opportunities uh, to, to minister deeply, to serve people, um, you know, not only the trauma recovery ministry, but I work in a food distribution ministry out there, Food for Life, to be able to walk people to their cars Put the groceries in their, their vehicle. You've been and driving pray, this homeless, Pray with them.
0: You've what? been driving this homeless woman home, right?
1: Well, that would man, just... no, homeless homeless fella. Okay, go ahead. Just share that quickly. Yeah, uh, uh, Ridge, during the summer months, lives under a tree about two miles from where, where we are, um, but it's winter out there. You know, eighty-one degrees on Christmas Day, uh, winter, but it you know it rains rains once, and once in a while in Southern California. So he lives under a kind of an overhang of a warehouse nearby. So I've been driving Ridge to his spot. Um, he's always the first in line, taking him, getting back quickly to walk more people. This last Tuesday, uh, as I was driving him up, and as, as we got out to take the groceries out of the car, he said, Gary, he said, next time when I see you, when you come back, I want to talk about faith. Mm. Um, and, and, the, and there was a Chinese lady that one time said to me, tell me more about your Jesus. Jesus. And her husband quickly grabbed her and got her in the car. I never saw that lady again. But there are seeds planted mm-hmm. there. So there's that kind of opportunity in a ministry like that. All right, last question. We'll wrap up. You said that uh, kind of that Paul verse, right? I'm going to come back and tell the church two
0: th- things that, that have happened in 12 years. One very core message for you is church, stop trying to get the God to bless what you're doing. Figure out what God's doing and blessing and get involved in it. That yeah. was number one. That's yeah. what we talked about.
1: Church, and, in, and that's an individual. Exactly. It's in- an individual. right?
0: Yeah. Um, the second had to do, and you've been very passionate with me over the last 10 years about this one, knowing your identity. Church, if you only knew people in the church, if you only knew who you were.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was reading recently in, in the Gospel of John, and in chapter 2, and, and reading about Jesus in his conversation with the religious leaders, and, uh, and he was saying, you know, how, how he'd come from his father, and what he knew what he was there for. The, the mm-hmm. idea was Jesus knew who he was, and he knew why he had come. And I thought, huh, that can apply to me even in specifics. But the, the big thing is knowing, knowing who we are. The world system, parents, teachers, what there's so many voices that speak into us that say you're this, you're that, and a lot of times we buy it. And then that, that becomes identity, either for, you know, an inflated identity or a deflated. I want to know what God thinks of me. I want you guys to know what God thinks of you. And in many cases, it's going to be very, very different than the image and the thoughts that we're carrying around. And it's so freeing mm. and, and, and just a, a, a beautiful thing. And so then with that, with that confidence, and the positiveness of who we are, who God made us to be, who he thinks we are, than to say, okay, God, um, what are you up to in my life? What, what would you have us do? But Gary, I work 60 hours a week, and the kids are in all these sports and things like, I don't care, God's gonna, he's still got something for you at, at the office or in the community or whatever, so ask him, what, what does he have? uh for you john this next year and and of course
2: for the and believe
1: it right really believe it oh well i told you the stories you know you 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 believe it hopefully you come to the place where you believe that you can communicate with god like that and ask him and expect an answer and listen sometimes you wait a year (laughs) joseph waited 13 in prison but the answer comes yeah the answers come i
0: uh I, if you want to have fun one day, just look up who does God say I am, right? And I could, yeah. I've got eight pages in my notes here of who God says I am. My favorite verse is, is this one from, uh, from Ephesians 2. Do we have that? For we are God's masterpiece. That's oh. what God thinks of you, right? He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things... He planned for us long ago. Yes. So there's this relationship, yes. right, almost from your first point to your last point, which is you can do the things that God has planned for you, yeah. but
1: you can do them to the extent you understand who you are. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and, and with with confidence, again, not that, okay, I know who I am. Now I've got to go do it, you know, and I've got to figure this out and figure that out. But, okay, this is who God has made me to be, and whether... Extrovert or introvert doesn't matter. God's got plans, and but but once you know that, then to be able to move with confidence and to move with trust and faith, yeah, trust mean It's the key. Just to trust Him, and if He opens the door, He whispers something. Somebody says, "I think you." There's so many different ways. It's what
0: allows you to take risks in your life, right? Yeah, Trusting a, a, God.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Uh, you're gonna pray, and we're gonna end. Before you pray, um, I know it's on your heart understanding the kind of church we are that we attract a lot of folks from the community and and you know a lot of folks even folks that are longtime church members they get to a certain place with christ but they don't cross the line where they actually say i'm done trying to be my own god i'm not going to play the game anymore this year in 2023 you would encourage people to to live a little differently right
1: oh absolutely absolutely the the world is at war and the human heart is the prize. So for every one of us, God wants our hearts. If if you don't have a relationship with Jesus at this point, that's a heart thing and that's, that's a decision. We either accept or reject. And if you're here this morning and you've kind of been on the fence or there's been some, some way in which you have not accepted Jesus yet, but you're hearing enough that you say, you know what? I, I, am, I am ready. I am, I am ready to Jesus said, repent and believe. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, that's what he said. Repent and believe. Which means
0: change the way you think. Change your mind, the direction you're going.
1: Right. And, 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 and renounce that and, and accept. So if you're here this morning, and you haven't accepted Jesus, this, this babe who was born to save you and me from our sins, and then to heal our broken hearts, Isaiah 61, 1, and, and make something of our lives. Boy, would I encourage you to start 2023. This morning, now, by making that decision mm. to, from the heart to accept, to receive Jesus into your life as your Savior and as your Lord. And then for those who have already made that decision, um, ask him, just ask him, okay, who am I from your standpoint? Scriptures, talk with others who they think that God has made you to be, and then go for it. Just Mm -hmm. give him uh, your life completely, whatever he wants to do with it. God, what, what are you up to at work, in the neighborhood? you know, with the teams, with whatever uh, I'm involved in, at whatever age, and and make this year in Jesus the best year yet. Amen. Would you pray for us? Yeah, I would. I'd love to. So, Jesus, you're awesome. Um, What you have done in coming to this earth, taking on the form, pitching your tent in our midst all so that you could allow us, my sin our sins to put you on that cross so that they could be forgiven so that, <laughs> so that the guilt and the shame of my heart and life could be forgiven and everybody here could experience that. So Lord if there are those here this morning that haven't quite made that decision, but they realize this morning, I'm ready. I'm ready. That's what I want. Bring them in, Jesus. Mm. Bring them in uh, to the kingdom. Give them a confidence, a trust that that giving their lives to you is not some sort of a stepping away from all the good things of life, but it's stepping into all the goodness of you and all that you have for Mm. them here and forever. And for every one of us here that that already has made that decision, Jesus, um, you've got plans for us. Your plans are always good; they're never for evil. Mm. Even though sometimes they involve suffering, but you bring the sometimes the greatest growth in our lives through through the suffering. So, just Jesus, we fresh, fresh on this first day of the new year, we give you mm. our hearts. Yes, God. And we invite you to do with our lives today, Mm. this year, in ways that will bring attention and praise Mm. to you and lives to you and the greatest joy, Mm. the greatest sense of success to us. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
0: Now, you know, I talk to him every uh, other week. Would you all raucously thank Gary Bortzow
2: yeah. for being with us tonight?
1: Am I going down now? Going okay.
2: All right. With I'm on you, love you. Love you, too.
0: you got it. Let's go. out so if folks want to greet him out in the hallway they can say hello to him so we'll get gary will get you a head start out of here would you all thank him one more time for being with us all the way from california and may i pray over you my beautiful friends on this first sunday morning of the new year lord jesus i pray that these words the the of 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 wisdom of a life well lived for you would take deep seed as gary says that these seeds would 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 go deep into our hearts and and would spring forth the fruit of life Lord, i I pray that we would be this year a people that wouldn't be asking you to bless what we're trying to do but instead would look for what you're doing and get involved in it and be a blessing i pray lord god that this year we'd we'd learn from those that have gone before and we we'd take heed to their words that that we'd invest in things that would live beyond our own lives that that we'd reflect more be more present in what's happening in our daily lives and that we'd risk more and lord god may may gary's words take even deeper root when it comes to knowing who we are in christ jesus our lord we are your masterpiece and as we it deep in our hearts lord free us up to do the good works that you have planned for us We ask it all this New Year's Day morning in the great name of Jesus the King. And everyone at Mendham said, Happy New Year, church. I'll see you out in the foyer.